G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. It's so easy to get our view of the world, our perspective, distorted. If the devil can get us to believe that it's all about us, all about today, all about here and now, and how we feel, man, he can play merry hell with our lives. And that's exactly what he does. Hi, I'm Bernie Diamond. Thank you so much for joining me again on Christianity Works. Today we're heading into the next message in our series, The Top 10 Lies the Devil Wants You to Believe. Because let me tell you, he'll do anything he can to undermine your faith and destroy your life. And please do stay tuned because in just a few minutes, I'll be telling you about the powerful prayer that could be coming your way to help you through whatever you happen to be dealing with in your life just at the moment. Have you ever noticed when the weekend's over and Monday rolls around yet again, it's hard to get going, isn't it? For most of us who kind of work generally Monday to Friday, well, the weekend's about us. Maybe not just about us, family, friends, relaxing. That's the theory, right? Of course, it doesn't always work out that way. Some of us have to work over the weekend, and that's something of a sacrifice. Others, well, there's running the kids to their various sporting or musical social activities, And then there's this, and then there's that, and and before you know it, you can look back on your weekend and you think, hang on a minute, what was that all about? I I didn't get a rest at all. I spent the whole time racing around after other people. What about me? What, What about some me time? And pretty soon, we start resenting that. There's something about the here and now. There's something about missing out on the opportunity to enjoy the moment, as they say. I mean, sure, there's tomorrow. Sure, there's the future. Hey, there may even be an eternity, but... Eternity? Forever? Nah, blow that. I want to enjoy today. I want to live in the moment. To hell with eternity. And that's pretty much how the thinking goes. To hell with it, people might say. I used to be like that. And this whole living for today thing, the the fact that there is an eternity became completely obscured. It's the easiest thing in the world to live just for today. And the more we want to enjoy what the world has to offer, the more distant, the more unreal, the more implausible eternity becomes. Now, there's there's someone listening saying, well, yeah, I I guess, but isn't that for non-Christians? This focus on the here and now is really only for people who don't believe in Jesus. And yes, most of the people in that boat focus very much on the here and now. But can I tell you something? As a passionate follower of Jesus Christ... As a guy who's decided to spend his life telling others about Jesus who came for him in his darkest hour, I find it really easy to get caught up in the here and now. Because stuff just happens. We do and we run and we work and we play and stuff and stuff and stuff. And and, and the totally biggest reality in our lives becomes getting the most out of today that we can. And when that doesn't happen, when when we get to the end of the day or the weekend and we look back and, and we feel like we've missed out, we experience resentment. It should have been better. I I should have got more out of it than I did. It's all about the here and now. And can I tell you something? 
our enemy, the devil, loves, absolutely delights in obscuring the reality of eternity from our side. Today, we're continuing on in our series of the top 10 lies the devil wants you to believe. And lie number six, which is where we're up to in the top 10, is this. Lie number six says, it's all about today. I don't know if you've read the Old Testament book of Job, but it's all about when the devil goes to God and asks God's permission to ruin Job's life. Now, Job is a godly man. Job is blameless, a really good guy. And yet God gives the devil permission to progressively take things away from Job more and more and more. And then when Job thinks he's hit rock bottom, then the devil takes away yet more, all in the hope of turning Job against God. But Job never forsakes God. What he does do, though, is he goes back to God time and time again and asks basically, God, what is going on? God, why are you doing this? God, when is this going to end? God, what have I done wrong? God, does that sound familiar? What's our problem? Our problem is that when we're in those places we don't want to be, we lose sight of the fact that God's got a much bigger thing happening. Do you see how easy it is for us to fall for the devil's lie that the only thing that exists is the here and now, the stuff we see, the stuff we experience, and most importantly, the stuff we feel. Feelings are so important. After all, the advertising industry has been telling us for years now that it's all about us. It's all about me. It's all about getting everything now. And so what we do is we set about making our life here and now as good and as comfortable and as wonderful and as apparently fulfilling as we possibly can. And at that point, we've totally lost the plot, completely lost the plot, completely swallowed the devil's lie, hook, line and sinker, that there is no eternity. It's only today that matters. Perfect. He's rubbing his hands. He's gotcha. Luke chapter 12, beginning at verse 16. Jesus told them a parable, the land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, what should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, I will do this. I'll pull down my barns and I'll build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you and the things that you've prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves but are not rich towards God. Jesus said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or about your body or what you'll wear, for life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. See, there is a future. There there is eternity, and something happens, something totally awesome happens when we lift our eyes to gaze upon the heavenly things, when we open our eyes to the expansive view of eternity. All of a sudden, the trials and the tribulations we're going through now, well, somehow we're able to put them in perspective. All of a sudden, the wealth and prosperity, like that man with all his barns that we may be going through now, we're, we're able to see them in true context of eternity. No longer is everything about the here and now. And no longer do we live in this, this, this constant state of dissatisfaction because somehow the here and now never lives up to our expectations. Certainly not beyond the odd fleeting moment. Have you noticed that? There's always something to rob us of satisfaction, the satisfaction we think we're entitled to in the here and now. That's because the truth is that we're living in just a small part of eternity. Again, have a listen to how the writer of Hebrews, the New Testament book, puts this here and now thinking, this only here and now lie in sharp contrast with the truth of eternity. 
1 John chapter 2, beginning at verse 15. He says, Don't love the world or the things of the world. The love of the Father is not in those who love the world. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, the pride in riches, comes not from the Father, but from the world. And the world and its desire are passing away. But those who do the will of God will live forever. That's the cold, hard reality. That one day this world and our association with it is going to pass away. And yet the more the devil can dupe us into believing that's not true, the more he's going to rob us of our lives here and now and for all eternity. You see, friend, it's knowing the truth. I mean, really knowing the truth that sets us free. I'm Bernie Diamond and you're listening to Christianity Works. Just as we take this short break, I'd like to remind you that if you have a prayer need, we would absolutely love to pray for you. Because the only sort of prayer that the Bible teaches about is the sort that has powerful results. Just let that sink in. The only sort of prayer the Bible teaches about is the sort that has powerful results. So if you'd like us to pray with you, in fact, if you'd like our whole prayer community to pray with you, stop by online at powerfulprayer.org to share your prayer request. It's completely confidential. Your name won't be displayed. And in fact, while you're there, perhaps you could also pray for one or two others and leave them a word or two of encouragement. You can be such a mighty blessing to so many others by supporting them in this way. The Bible says that the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. So please, let us pray for you and with you and let's just see what God does how he intervenes, how he chooses to bless you. That web address again is PowerfulPrayer.org. All right, let's head back into God's Word to see what else he has for us today. As we've just seen, there are times when we get things completely out of perspective, completely out of whack, not just in terms of the big picture of time, but also, well, who's at the centre of the universe? It doesn't seem to matter who we are and where we live. Sometimes we get to looking at our lot in life and comparing it to the next guys and wondering, what about me? And please, the last thing I mean to do here is to trivialise the incredible suffering that some people are experiencing right now. But at the end of the day, we all come to this point of thinking, what about me? You've been there, I've been there, it's a universal condition, and it's a condition that manifests itself in the good times and the bad. The better things are in our world, the better our lives are, the more comfortable, the more well-off we are, the more it turns itself into an insatiable appetite for more. I remember one social commentator a few years back talking about cocooning. Cocooning is the name given to the trend that sees individuals socialising less and retreating into their homes more. The term was coined in the 1990s by Faith Popcorn, a trend forecaster and marketing consultant. That's what they said. Cocooning's been around for 30 years. That's how early we discovered cocooning. And cocooning is about staying at home creating a safe place around you, the gardeners being the barrier between us and the garden, the alarm system being the barrier between us and the outside world, filtration systems for our water and our air, working at home, we stay at home, we in effect cocoon ourselves in luxury and safety and comfort. That's cocooning. 
And don't we just start complaining when everything doesn't go quite our way, when when the traffic in our local neighbourhood gets too heavy or when our neighbours make more noise than they should, when, when anything comes along to disrupt our nice, safe little oasis? And as an African friend of mine pointed out, those things we complain about here in the affluent West are so out of perspective with the pervading reality for the vast majority of the world's population who are just struggling to survive. But even when we do face genuine trials, even when we're in that place, we struggle with this sense of me, my rights, my entitlements, my comfort, my lot in life compared to everyone else's. In fact, it seems that our sense of me is a very strong one. It's rooted deep in our basic survival instincts, and it manifests itself in all different sorts of ways. So in, in one sense, there's a good side to it. Yes, survival instinct is fine. But when we get things out of perspective, when, when we become me-centric, then it becomes dangerous. As I've previously observed on this program, with almost 7 billion me-centric people walking on planet Earth at the moment, it's not hard to figure out how it is that wars start, is it? That's why this is one of the devil's top ten lies, that I am at the centre of my universe. It's all about me. And that you, in your little world, in your universe, are at the centre of your universe, and it's all about you. I know we know that's not true, but so often we end up living our lives as though it is. The very first deception of the devil involved this same notion that we are at the centre of the universe. Let's have a listen again. We've looked at it over the last few weeks. Genesis chapter 3, where the serpent comes to tempt Adam and Eve. Now, the serpent was more crafty than the other wild animals that the Lord had made. He said to the woman, did, did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, no, no, we can eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. God just said, you shall not eat of the fruit in the tree that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it, for you will die. But the serpent said to the woman, you won't die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was a delight to the eyes and the tree was to be desired to make her wise... She took one of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Do you see what happened? The way the devil, disguised, of course, as he was as a serpent, got Eve to take that apple by convincing her that her need, her desire, a desire which, incidentally, she didn't seem to have had until the devil fed it to her, her desire to be like God, to eat the good fruit, to be elevated, promoted, satisfied, whatever you want to call it, her desire came above God's will. She put it before her obedience to God, despite the enormous blessing that God had already given her by making available every other living thing in the garden for her and hubby to throw in the walk for dinner tonight. And it's exactly that lie that the devil feeds us in good times and in bad. You're entitled. You, you deserve it. You should have the best. You should be like God. Have you got it? Do you recognise it? then remember it. The next time you're feeling sorry for poor little old you, the next time you're imagining that your lot in life just ain't fair when compared to everyone else's, please remember the insidious lie the devil's feeding you. Can I tell you something? I don't know why, why great big tsunamis hit Japan or Indonesia or Thailand. I don't know why some people suffer so much and why some don't. I, I don't know why some parents give birth to a beautiful child who in its 20s contracts schizophrenia and they have to look after the child into their old age. What, what I do know 
is that sometimes life dishes up some stuff that doesn't seem to be fair. And other times we have to live through some stuff that we cause through our own disobedience, just like Adam and Eve had to. But there's one thing I do know, that when it comes to suffering, God didn't even spare his own son. When it comes to loving us, he paid the price of suffering and death that we might live. And when it comes to his lot in life, he accepted it in love and did what he had to do, no matter what it cost him, to obey and to honour his Father in heaven. Next time you're being fed this lie by the devil, the line that, that it's all about you, may these words light up your heart. Bernie Diamond, and you're listening to Christianity Works. Life can be hard work some days, and as that daily grind just kind of grinds away at us, it's easy to forget that Jesus died and rose again to give us victory. That's why I'd love to send you a short text message of encouragement straight to your phone, just as the Spirit leads, perhaps even when you least expect it. That's what Victory SMS is all about. Roughly every other week, I ask the Lord, what word of encouragement could I give to you today? So if you'd like the occasional bit of encouragement to help you live your life in victory, then head across to victorysms.org and when you do subscribe, you'll immediately receive a free copy of my ebook, Power Unlimited. Thousands of people already have. And the most common response? Oh, that's exactly what I needed to hear today. How did you know that? Thank you so much. It's simply amazing how powerfully the Spirit of God can move through just a short text message. And I'd love to encourage you too to live your life in victory. Again, that web address is victorysms.org. Okay, let's head straight back into the Word of God. I've often wondered what the world will be like if rats were as big as cats or if cockroaches were as big as a pet dog. Have you ever wondered what it'd be like? How would your world change? I mean, it's not a nice thing to think about, is it? Just imagine a rat in your house the size of your cat or or a cockroach the size of your dog. They'd be ugly, nasty, scary, frightening and very, very dangerous things to be around, wouldn't they? If cockroaches were as big as dogs... I think I'd have bars on my windows and doors. You'd have to, otherwise they'd be able to kill you. Fortunately, God was smart enough to make sure that that wouldn't be the case. He's created a kind of a a pecking order in the animal kingdom that by and large makes it pretty safe. Although I know there are exceptions. I don't think I'd want to run into a grizzly bear in North America or or a polar bear in the Arctic, for sure. But cockroaches, disgusting, disease-carrying though they are, fortunately, are nice and small. Same with rats. They're manageable. Now, I hope I haven't given anyone nightmares. (laughs) Why are we talking about this stuff? Well, quite simply, for this reason. Because this is exactly the sort of nightmare the devil wants you to believe. How so, you may well ask. Well, he wants us to believe that he is as big and as powerful as God. Just Imagine if that were true. And what was really happening in this world was that the two of them, God and the devil, equals and opposites, were slogging it out to see who was going to win. It'd be like like living in a cage with a dog-sized cockroach and a dog fighting it out, not knowing who was going to win and how it was going to turn out for us. 
Can you imagine? I mean, just imagine living your life like that. So why do so many people live their lives like that? Why is it that so many people believe in Jesus and yet they live their lives in fear? They live their lives feeling condemned. They live their lives not really knowing in their heart of hearts whether they are forgiven, whether God does love them, whether they're blessed or cursed, free or chained, right with God or condemned by him. Why do so many people live like that? Well, I'll tell you why. Because someone, someone's dropped this idea in their heads that the devil is just as strong and just as powerful as God. That life is actually a battle between these two equal and opposite forces of good and evil, God and devil. That view of the world is called dualism. And here's the thing, you won't find it anywhere in the Bible. It's just this idea, this false idea, this lie that someone, someone has dropped on our heads. Gee, I wonder who that could have been. See, this is one of those lies that on the one hand, in the cold, hard light of day, you ask someone who believes in Jesus whether they believe it, and they'll tell you, no, 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 no way. But come on, how often do we find ourselves living our lives as though it was true? How often have you struggled with a sin and thought to yourself, you know, there's just no way that I'll ever overcome this. I, I just had to live with it. I just have to accept that in this particular department of my life, the devil's won. Well, today we're going to deal with that lie once and for all. Are you ready? The well-accepted narrative of how the devil came into being comes to us from the book of Isaiah, chapter 14. Have a listen, beginning at verse 12. How you are fallen from heaven, O day star, son of dawn. How you are cut down to the ground, you who laid the nations low. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of assembly on the heights of Zaphon. I will ascend to the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. But you are brought down to Sheol, to the depths of the pit. Those who see you will stare at you and ponder over you. Is this the man who made the earth tremble and shook the kingdoms, who made the world like a desert and overthrew its cities, who would not let his prisoners go home? You are cast out, away from your grave like loathsome carrion, clothed with the dead, those pierced by the sword, who go down to the stones of the pit, like a corpse trampled underfoot. There it is. That's, that's Satan's narrative from beginning to end. He sought to lift himself up, to make himself like God, equal to God. And as a result, he was destroyed. See, God always destroys pride. God always opposes the proud, and the devil was proud, and so he tries to set himself up. He tries to live this lie that he's equal to God, and God destroys him. That's the devil's ultimate end, to be destroyed. He's going to spend eternity in a lake of fire. He was an angel created by God who fell and has fallen to the depths of depravity. Now, sure, he's pretty clever. He's pretty wily, but he's someone who's living out his own lie. And he wants to believe he's equal to God. And he wants to perpetrate that lie on my life and yours. Do you remember when Jesus sent the 70 disciples out to do amazing things among the people? And they came back. They were stunned at what they'd been able to do. Luke chapter 10, verse 17. The 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, in your name, even the demons submit to us. And Jesus said to them, I watched Satan fall from the heaven like a flash of lightning. You see, I've given you authority to tread on snakes and on scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. That's 
the truth right from Jesus' own lips. When Jesus speaks, the devil has to submit because Jesus is the Son of God. He has all the power and all the authority. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 20 and 21. God put his power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above the rule and the authority and the power and the dominion, above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And as Paul writes elsewhere, Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, Jesus disarmed the rulers and the authorities, that's the devil, and made a public example of them, triumphing over them in the cross. See, friend, that's the truth. God is powerful. God cannot be brought down by the devil. The devil has already been defeated by Jesus on that cross. And when we believe in what Jesus did there on that cross, that victory comes to life in our lives. That's the truth. The devil is a liar. He believes his own lies and he wants you and me to believe them too. Well, let's not. The next time you feel defeated, the next time the devil's got you duped into believing that he's just as powerful as God again, May the Holy Spirit remind you that we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. No matter how compelling, how convincing, how powerful a lie may seem, a lie is a lie. Jesus has disarmed the rulers and the authorities and made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them at the cross. Christianity Works program is sharing the powerful, practical Word of God with so many people in over 160 countries around the world. But that's only made possible through the generous support of friends just like you. Each dollar that you give today will grow to reach nearly 3,000 people with a gospel message. Incredible! That means that a gift today of just $35 can touch over 100,000 people with the good news of Jesus Christ. So let me encourage you to give a generous tax-deductible gift of support to Christianity Works today. Securely online at ChristianityWorks.com or by calling 1-300-722-415. And when you do get in touch, two things. Firstly, don't forget to request your free copy of that life application booklet that I've been telling you about. It's only available for a limited time, so don't miss out. Secondly, we would love to pray for you. Absolutely. Just click on the powerful prayer tile at the bottom of the homepage. Again, that's all at ChristianityWorks.com or give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415. Hey, thank you so much for your support and for joining me today. I'm Bernie Diamond. I'll catch you again same time next week with another message of God's love, God's grace and God's power for each one of us in Jesus Christ. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.